Hey, Exchange family, this is Exchanging Stories. It's easy to hide behind the shadows and, and not really share your struggles or your pain. I think, if nothing else, this has taught us that when you are open and honest and vulnerable with your struggles, that there are going to be people who are there to help you with open arms. Well, hey, Exchange, welcome back to ex- uh, Exchanging Stories. This is season two, and today our guest is Heather Flyth. Hey, Heather. Hello. So you guys have been at Exchange for uh, a few years now. Yes. And uh, there's still probably some people who might not know you or know who goes with you. So uh, introduce your family. Um, tell us how to find you and who goes with who and all the good stuff. Well, I'm married to Trip. And we have four kids. Drew is 16, Ella is 15, Harper is 14, and Roman is 13. Okay. <laughs> and so you guys serve a lot of different places also, right? So where do you guys serve yes. at Exchange? Um, Trip and I help out in the E3 class with the third and fifth graders. We also greet sometimes in the mornings. We're outside. And Trip also helps with um, setup. And content team. He adds a lot of good uh, insight to content team (laughs) when he's in town. And the kids are always uh, at Mm -hmm. youth and helping out wherever there's a need. Um, The Flyth family has been a blessing to exchange for sure. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you guys learn a little bit more about them and their story. It's really uh, fun. It's not complete. Uh, There's a lot to it. Um, But but it starts out on the mission field, right? Like you and Trip. Uh, served as missionaries in Indonesia mm-hmm. uh, for quite some time. Tell us a little bit about that and what were you doing and and how does that play into your story even currently? Yes. Well, it all goes back to after we graduated from college, Trip and I both independently decided to go with crew to East Asia and for two years. And so that's where we met and started dating. And that's really where God kind of gave us a heart for missions, for international missions. And so Trip had always wanted to be a pilot growing up, but never really pursued it. And so when we came back from East Asia, we got married and Trip started pursuing becoming a missionary pilot. So he got his private pilot's license and he got all the ratings that he needed. It took about five years. And then in 2007, we joined MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, and in 2008, we boarded a plane with our two babies and left on our grand adventure. Goodness. So how <laughs> old were Drew and Ella at that time? Um, Drew was 21 months old and Ella was five months old. Okay. So away from family, <laughs> yes. Uh, away from friends. Did you guys have any friends in Indonesia that you knew? No, okay. we knew we knew nobody. We knew nothing about the culture. I mean, we Googled stuff, of course. Sure, about, didn't know the language. Didn't know the language. Didn't know anything. And so. Trip was excited to fly, and you were excited to be at home with two little babies, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's a that's a daunting task if you are in a community and know. Uh, everyone around you, you have family or friends to have a 22 month old and a five month old. That's really busy. Yeah. Yeah, it was, but it was, we actually went to nine months of language school first. So that kind of helped ease us into things. We got a hold of the language somewhat. Indonesian is not 
a very hard language to learn. So um, that was really helpful. And we kind of had a community that way. Good. So, <laughs> And so if someone doesn't know um, what that ministry does, just kind of fill us in on the missions aspect of it and how mm-hmm. Trip was using flight to yeah. be a part of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Trip was flying to remote villages in Borneo. That's um, Borneo is, I think, the third or fourth largest island in the world. And so we lived on a barrier island called Tarakan. And Trip would fly his little plane onto the main island of Borneo, and he would um, carry all kinds of things. He would carry people, medicines, animals. He would do medevac flights. Um, There was a local Bible school in one of the villages that they did a lot of flying for. So they used the plane in in many ways. Yeah. Really interesting. I've, Trip has told stories where, you know, he would circle the runway several times waiting for the the wind to be just right. And you yes. know, knowing that it was zero room for error. Yes. Um, so as you're home with two little ones, hoping that trip makes those decisions very well, <laughs> right? Yes. He's and, a very, very safe, safe pilot. So I am a nervous flyer, believe it or not. And I felt very safe with him when we would go yeah. up in the plane with him. Good. Uh, I would imagine that is true. <laughs> but even with, you know, some small kids at home, you know, you're living somewhere different, you know, I think all fears, all anxiousness is probably amplified in that moment. Yeah. Yes, for Um, sure. You take away a lot of the comforts and a lot of the ways that we deal with that stress here. Mm -hmm. And, um, but regardless, while you guys were there, even with young kids, trips flying, there's missions. Uh, was it there that God called you guys into adoption, you started looking at it, or was that something that you had thought through before Indonesia? Well, I think adoption was always a part of our plan. We just didn't know exactly when it would fit in to our family. So I think there was always an undercurrent of we're going to adopt someday. Um, so yeah, it was definitely there. Yeah. And so as you're there though, maybe it accelerates or you thought, I've got two young kids. This is the perfect time, <laughs> right? Well, actually we, um, Roman was born. So our third child, Roman was born and, um, we actually had two miscarriages after Roman, mm. um, that were pretty, pretty devastating, especially going through that in a third world country and yeah. our, on our small island, it, it wasn't quite the same as I would assume it would be going through in the States. Mm. Doctors, bedside manner, just, um, it was just pretty devastating for me. And so that's when we started thinking maybe the Lord is calling us, maybe this is the time to Goodness. start looking into adoption. Now that's, that's a part of the story that, that I haven't heard before. And I think, Sometimes, um, you know, when we look at miscarriage and the, you know, just all of the emotions and like the heartache and the physical trauma, all the Mm -hmm. things that go along with that, you know, I think more people experience that than, Mm -hmm. than we talk about. Yeah. And sometimes I think I've been in circles of conversation where, a miscarriage after you have children already is erroneously looked at as not 
as devastating. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you, you've got three kids, you experienced two miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And I think even in that moment, there's a lot of devastation, Yeah. right? There's a lot of thoughts. The enemy has a, a massive doorway to attack mm-hmm. you. What's wrong with, you know, like all yes. of the things. Yes. Um, and I, I just want to even pause to say, you know, to those who might be listening, it's a tough thing. Mm-hmm. It is. It's tough no matter if you have a child or children already. Mm-hmm. And it's the same as if it's, you know, one after another after another. It, it's never easier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never less less uh, painful. Yeah. Uh, Jan and I know that firsthand as well. Um, and, and yet I think it's just something we don't talk about, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that yeah. part of it. In that tragedy, through that tragedy, you guys start maybe entertaining adoption mm-hmm. more or feeling like the Lord might be pulling you in that direction? Yes, we did. And so it wasn't, I'm trying to think, maybe six months after the second miscarriage that we started the process of adoption. And it was a pretty seamless journey that we had. We, I've I think we started in 2013 and by May of 2014, we were going to get Harper. Wow. That is pretty quick in in the adoption world for sure. Yeah. Now for those who know Harper at exchange, uh, probably know that Harper has some special needs. Mm -hmm. Were you guys aware of that going into adoption? Was that a surprise? Tell us a little bit about (laughs) that aspect of well, we, um, to answer your question, we did not. We did not know anything about her intellectual disabilities. And you do get paperwork before you adopt your child, and it has a medical write up of, of things. And um, that was not on the write up. And so we were going into it thinking that she might have a congenital heart defect. That was the only thing. Uh, that was on there of significance. And so when we met her and the first few weeks, you know, we were kind of on a high, like things were awesome. They're kind of weird, but amazing. And, you know, a month or two goes by and it just starts to sink in that things just aren't right. Like something is wrong. She's about three at the time. She was five. Okay. Five. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for signs and you're seeing certain things happen where you realize, okay. Yes. Something's a little bit different. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And we're totally kind of shocked and just kind of unprepared. Yeah. So. What did that do to you guys emotionally, spiritually? Like, you know, you still have young kids at mm-hmm. home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot going on. There is. There is a lot going on. It was... The first two years with Harper, we lived in Indonesia, and those were, looking back on it now, I think those were some really hard days for me, especially as the mom, because I felt a lot of guilt and shame over not being able to attach Mm. to Harper, and the enemy just used that greatly just to bring up just doubt about 
even bringing Harper into our family or yeah. just me as a mom mm-hmm. that I can't, I can't attach to my child. So it was, it was a really hard time and it was a struggle for, um, my other kids as well. Yeah. I mean, it was, it just wasn't what we had thought. Right. And the enemy's going to, the enemy is really, really, really clever. Mm-hmm. to not uh, tell us lies that are so far from the truth mm-hmm. that we would never believe it. Mm-hmm. Right? Most often in the ways that I've experienced, the enemy uses true things yes. and accuses us of truth with the slanted angle of mm-hmm. what God must think about us, mm-hmm. how we're a terrible person, all the things, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was some difficulty attaching to Harper Mm -hmm. because of some of her, her ability to attach, Mm -hmm. it makes Mm -hmm. it very difficult. And so there's a truth there, right? Like, man, it's, it's hard to attach Mm -hmm. and the enemy uses a truth and spins it in a way that speaks to who you are and Mm -hmm. what God says about you. Yes. And I think, you know, any of us going through anything like that, it would be really difficult Mm -hmm to fend off those attacks, especially in the role that God has given you as a mother. Mm -hmm. And I'd say this too, like before we go any further, I've I've said this to Tripp and Heather that I, I have seen them and Heather parent and mother Harper really, really well. (laughs) And I know, um, you know, and i I probably have seen a little bit more on the inside of what that looks like. But for me, you know, it blesses me to see mm-hmm. you guys, it, the fight mm. to love her really well, mm-hmm. to care for her really well day yeah. after day. Um, and I think, you know, for all of us, I think it's good to to see that um, sometimes love doesn't come easy. Mm-hmm. No doesn't whether it's in our marriage or whether it's in our parenting Mm -hmm. with our own parents yeah it's it's been because harper has her own story you know before she came to us and that's what we have to remember as well is that and we you know try to teach this to our kids too that harper came um with a hard story and she does have hard a hard time attaching and we don't know what the first three years of Harper's life was like. And so that's when the first three years, that's when you start to build attachment with your parents yeah. or with a caregiver is when you start as an infant to cry and your parent comes and soothes you. Mm-hmm. And then that process happens over and over and over again. And that's where attachment is built. And I don't think Harper ever had that. Hmm. And so Harper has a really hard time attaching to other people. And so therefore we have a hard time attaching to her. Right. And so it's a broken story, but I know that I mean, he's in the process of yeah. redeeming it. Oh yeah. I've seen a lot of good come to it <laughs> and, and we'll get to some of that in a second, but so you guys are in Indonesia. You realize Harper's needs are probably more um, extensive mm-hmm. than one that you knew initially, but two 
that you can deal with there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yes. you guys made the, the difficult decision mm-hmm. to leave Indonesia and, and come back to the United States. What mm-hmm. was that like? And what were the, what was the process or what were some of the things that you had to battle through coming back? Well, it was hard because that is kind of what Tripp and I had envisioned for our lives was to be overseas missionaries before we even got married. Like, you know, we talked about what do you, what do we want our life to look like together? And, right. and you guys met on the mission. Field. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so this was Tripp's dream job mm-hmm. of being a missionary pilot. And I loved, we, we loved living overseas and, you know, our kids, they were what, nine, eight, seven, and six at the time. And so our, some of our older kids were, it it was pretty hard. It was pretty Mm -hmm. hard for them to leave because that was pretty much all they'd known. And we just had a really sweet, sweet community. Um, and so it was, it was difficult, but we prayed a lot about leaving and we just felt like that was, that was the best for everyone, for everyone in our family was to come home. So it was definitely a very difficult decision, but one that we thought we had, we had to do, we had to come home. Mm -hmm. And it was no surprise to God. No. Right. I mean, (laughs) you you guys didn't go into the adoption journey thinking it was going to be like this. No. You never thought that this would be something that would require you guys to, to, to come off the mission field, mm-hmm. um, in Indonesia, I believe you're still on the mission field here <laughs> in Rollsville. Um, but I think, you know, it, it wasn't a surprise to the Lord that he was going to do something different than mm-hmm. what you had envisioned. Mm-hmm. And who knows how that plays out and mm-hmm. why it plays out and, yeah. and all of the things, you know, um, but I do know he's, he's still at work. Mm-hmm. And so you guys come back here and, you know, fast forward maybe a few years and uh, being in America doesn't make um, being the mother of someone with special needs mm-hmm. um, any easier, yeah, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's life like right now with Harper? Well, I'll start off by just saying that Harper, if you have not met her at church, she will you, be thrilled to meet you. <laughs> yes. She is the happiest. She is. She's the happiest child I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And she's full of life. She's loud. She's boisterous. She's going at 100 miles an hour. And I was loves just, to help. Yes. Oh, yes. Loves to help. Loves to help. And I was thinking about, about it the other day. Just uh, when she was younger, she would, if she saw anyone that she thought was hurting or that was sick... She would go up, didn't matter if she knew him or not, she would go up and put her hand on them and say, can I pray for you? Oh man. It was, it That's was a just, great story. It was, yes, it was a sweet, it was the sweetest thing. She doesn't do that so much now. I mean, she still asks about people, but she doesn't, she doesn't ask to pray for them. But, yeah. um, but mornings are, mornings are pretty, pretty hard with Harper. Those are probably the hardest parts of the day, mornings and sometimes evenings. But, um, Harper usually wakes up very dysregulated in the mornings, which means that her body just can't process all the external stimuli that she Mm -hmm. is receiving. And so she is usually like a ping pong ball of emotions. She's up, she's down. She's mad at nothing and everything at all. It's, it's just, you never know with Harper. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's, it can be 
kind of stressful to, to parent um, sometimes. And dinner times, meal times can be difficult too, um, can be loud, mm-hmm. chaotic. Um, but Harper's 13 or 14? She's, now? she is 14. Okay. She's 14 years old, but developmentally, I, I would say she's more like a four or five year old. Yeah, but she's got all the the fourteen year old hormones r- raging as yes. well. I'm sure. Yes, yes, she does. Trying Very. to figure out all, you know, just I would say anyone in that age has a lot of things to to deal with when they wake yes. up in the morning. <laughs> yes. You know, and I think for her, uh, figuring those out might mm-hmm. be even more challenging. Yeah. You know, as a as her mother, you know, I'm sure you get a maybe a cup of coffee in you before you start that process. I'm actually not a coffee drinker. Okay, but. something right, like or <laughs> yeah. a minute of silence yes. or some prayer. Well, I have to remind myself of scripture a mm. lot. Um, I do. I think I think about it a lot, probably too much. So, because um, sometimes I, it, that what I mentioned earlier, the, the guilt and the shame does creep in. So, um, something I, I listened to, a um, Paul Tripp, one of his talks, this is back in Indonesia and I've, I've never forgotten it. And he talks about how the most influential person in your life is you mm. because you talk to yourself more than anyone else. Mm. And he asked the question, what kind of gospel are you preaching to yourself? And so that's how I have to get through the day sometimes mm-hmm. is, you know, ask myself, what kind of gospel am I preaching myself mm-hmm. to myself today? And, um, and Trip actually is, is really good. He's really good mm-hmm. about, you know, when I'm down and out on myself, you know, he reminds me of truth of what's true about me mm-hmm. or on the opposite side of the spectrum. If I have overreacted with Harper or I have done something that I shouldn't have done or said something that I shouldn't have said, he, you know, it kind of brings me back to reality and brings me speaks truth again, you know, in that situation as well. So, um, but it is, it is, it's a struggle. It's a struggle, a daily struggle of trying to walk in the truth of who I know God has created me to be. I firmly believe that God chose Harper to be in our family. He chose us specifically to be her parents. Although the outworkings of that, you might not always think that I believe that is true, (laughs) but um, I think deep down in my heart, I know that that is true, that God is providential and he doesn't make mistakes. Yes. I I mean, here's the truth is there's, there's never been a, um, a mother that the enemy has not lied to and mm-hmm. accused mm-hmm. of not being mm-hmm. motherly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and just the, the fact that I'm sure you have to fight some of those same exact lies in different ways mm-hmm. with how you treat mm-hmm. your other children. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's intensified in yes. ways and, mm-hmm. you know, experiences and the daily interactions probably mm-hmm. bring those on. Yes. More frequent Mm -hmm. with Harper. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that I think, you know, you're not speaking to people. First, you're not just speaking to mothers. I think this happens with fathers. Mm -hmm. This happens with husbands and wives and Mm -hmm. daughters and sons. Right. There's moments where where we are frustrated that we're worn down. Mm -hmm. 
And those are the moments where the enemy is going to talk to us about us. Yes. And so you said you have to preach to yourself the gospel there. For those who, they might not have a child with special needs. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't have children. Uh, Maybe they're married or maybe they're not married. I don't know that that matters. Mm -hmm. What are some of the truths that you tell yourself or that you repeat to yourself? How, what are the truths that you use to fight off the enemy? Um, well, the verse, I have a verse that the Lord gave me when my mother passed away. Um, it's John twelve twenty four, and I have it up in my room and He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. Hmm. And that, that is what I cling to. Hmm. Because only through death will we have life. Mm -hmm. And I think what greater picture is there than Jesus Mm -hmm. on the cross. And so... I kind of just have to remind myself of that, that when I'm struggling, when I feel like life is just too hard with whatever it is, um, because it's, you know, there's, there's struggles with Harper, but there's also struggles with Harper and her siblings, you know, that that's another dynamic that we have to work through as well. And so, yeah, when I sit back and just, think, Lord, what, what is happening? What is going on? And I'm like, oh, okay, this is part of taking up my cross mm-hmm. because going to the cross isn't easy. You know, that's what Jesus calls his, his followers to do is take up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. And that's not an easy task. No, <laughs> no. And knowing and trusting that one, that the Lord sees your hardship and mm-hmm. suffering mm-hmm. and that he's going to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I love this passage that we quote often that that God works all things mm-hmm. for the good. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. all things are good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even mean that all days are going to end good. Mm-hmm. It just means that he's working in those very difficult things yes. for good. Mm-hmm. For those who love him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think I think like that knowing that as that seed falls to the ground, he's going to bear fruit. Like mm-hmm. he is going to use that. Mm-hmm. Yes. To bear fruit, not only in your life, but in the kingdom. Yes. And so I think those are um, unescapable truths that we find Mm -hmm. in scripture. And so I think part of those uh, long days, those hard days um, can be lonely for Mm -hmm. sure. Yes. And I think I've been in, and we've talked um, and I've watched and we've seen, as you guys became a part of exchange, um, the church kind of join in, Mm -hmm. in some ways into this journey and walk with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, for those who don't know part of that story, tell, tell a little bit of that story and how that's ministered to you Mm -hmm. in those seasons or kept you fueled or. Yeah. Um, well, there are several families at exchange who, for the past two years now, have taken Harper one weekend a month as just a respite time for us. And it has been such a blessing. I, I just can't describe it. It's, um, 
It has been just a beautiful picture of, you know, First Corinthians 12 that talks about how we are one body with many parts. Yeah. And these families have stepped into the gap for us. Yeah. And um, I just, I just love it. It's just a sweet, sweet picture of village living, which I love. It's, it, I mean, to be honest, um, there's, you know, there's a moment where we talked and we were just talking about the hardship of mm-hmm. it. And that conversation, through that conversation, we had the idea mm-hmm. to just reach out to a few mm-hmm. people. And their responses mm-hmm. as a pastor mm-hmm. um, and their willingness and wanting to do that. I think I told you in trip it, that ministered mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. It was, it was, mm-hmm. it was just such a good, I mean, like a proud father, you mm-hmm. know, you watch your children do things that matter. Mm-hmm. And like that, I think for me and, and the elders at exchange, watching these families step up yeah, and, and not just doing it one weekend, mm-hmm. but I mean, consistently. Yes. And, and a lot of, a lot of these families, a few of them don't have children themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if, you know, they're, they're into the world and they know all of the things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as if they don't have a weekend full of things that they could right. do. Right. And that's what I love about it is it's disruptive generosity. Hmm. And that is, I love that term. Something, well, I, it's not my own term. I got it from um, an organization that I volunteer with. And one of part of their mission statement is radical hospitality and disruptive generosity. Hmm. And that is how I feel about these families. It's, it's not always convenient <laughs> hmm. to have Harper and their families. Um, yeah. Like you said, they might have a million other things that they could be doing, but they have chosen to be the hands and feet of Jesus for our family. And it's been, it's been huge. I've watched it um, heal some difficult days. Mm-hmm. I've watched it use, be used by the Lord to mend, you know, the, um, these couples or these families' hearts towards adoption or special mm-hmm. needs ministry of some kind. I've watched it do a lot more than mm-hmm. just give you guys mm-hmm. a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning mm-hmm. where you're not fielding the, mm-hmm. the ping pong of right, emotions. right. I think that that term disruptive generosity describes it really, really well. And Mm -hmm. I think that actually I'm wondering now, even if you can use the word generosity without something like that, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's not convenient, it costs you something. Right. And I think that's what the church does, Mm -hmm. right? That's what the Lord often causes, Mm -hmm. calls us to. And so, I, you know, as someone who's watched that happen, it's blessed me. And uh, there could be more. There could be more that uh, mm-hmm. the Lord calls mm-hmm. into a ministry like this, whether it's with your family yeah. or with someone else, mm-hmm. to look around, to be aware, mm-hmm. and to maybe even make an offer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of families would be hesitant to ask for something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But if someone offered... right. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Like if somebody came to you and said, we'd love to take Harper for the weekend. Um, 
you you probably would say great <laughs> yeah we like <laughs> which, that. which weekend yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like awesome yeah um that would be that would be great and i do think that one thing that i did want to share is that a lot of people kind of for whatever struggle you're going through it's easy to hide it's easy to hide behind the shadows mm. and, and not really share your struggles or your pain and I think if nothing else, this has taught us that when you are open and honest and vulnerable with your struggles, that there are going to be people who are there to help you with open arms. And it's, it's just been, like I said, it's just been such a sweet time for our family. Um, yeah, just to kind of regroup, Mm -hmm. to kind of breathe and to kind of jump in again when Harper comes home. Yeah. And so I just, yeah, I would encourage people who, you know, might need to make a call for help to, to do it. Yeah. I mean, let's just be realistic. All of us need help in mm-hmm. some ways. Yeah. Right. And, and most of us don't get it because we don't feel like we're in a place vulnerable enough to share that need. Mm-hmm. And so I would echo that. Heather, I'm really grateful that you've mm-hmm. chosen to share part of your story with mm-hmm. us today. I hope that it encourages you exchange as you listen in. I would encourage you to connect with Trip and Heather. Uh, they're great uh, dinner dates. Uh, <laughs> we've had the privilege of having dinner with them a, a few times, and uh, we always laugh a lot, uh, talk about you know everything, and uh, leave with our our hearts filled. Uh, and so, if you don't know Trip and Heather, I'd, I'd encourage you to reach out, connect with these guys on a Sunday. Um, and spend some time with them. Thanks again for sharing your story, Heather. I think it's going to encourage exchange. Thanks for having me. Exchange, I hope that as you listen to this, you look back and see the faithfulness of God in Heather and Tripp's story, but also your own. And as we live out our stories, that you would constantly look to him for that encouragement. We'll see you next time on Exchanging Stories. Exchanging Stories.